Just a quick heads up, this episode contains a couple of curse words. So if you have sensitive ears nearby, maybe save it for later. That's it. And welcome to this very special live edition of Grafana's Big Tent, the podcast all about the people, community, tools, and tech around observability. We're coming at you today live from Whistler, Canada, at the company All Hands, in front of about 600 people, I think. Say hello, everybody. I asked you to say hello. Uh, okay, so today I'm joined by uh, my usual co-hosts. It's only Matt Toback. Hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Um, Matt, what's your favourite thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we rehearsed it. Oh, yeah, so you've got to tell me these things. Yeah. Uh, today, my favourite thing, uh, it's coffee. Okay, thank you. And also, we're joined by Tom Wilkie. Hello, Tom. Hello, Matt. How are you? How are you enjoying Whistler so far? I asked you a question first. Um, I'm fine, thank you. How are you enjoying Whistler so far? <laughs> very well, very well. It's, uh, I, I got stuck in the uh, less good hotel, though. Oh. Which one's that? The, the, the Hilton. But it's still good. You know, it's comfortable and clean. I thought you were going to say the Four Seasons. The four, OK, that would have been funny. It's not Four Seasons total landscaping, is it? Ooh. <laughs> So we're joined today by the founders of Grafana Labs, and this is a real, raw AMA, ask me anything, and it's gonna be your real questions. And we're gonna hear from lots of you and get lots of voices on there, but let's meet those founders again, shall we? Torkel, maybe you could introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Torkel Erdogold. I'm uh, one of the co-founders uh, yeah, in Grafana. It started as a little hobby open source project of mine that I had no idea Who was gonna turn into this. Yeah, amazing. I'm Raj Dutt. I'm uh, one of the co-founders and CEO. Really great to be here, Matt. I've been a huge fan of your podcast, and you know, you clearly have a have a voice for radio. Very kind. <laughs> have you and, have you, you listened know, to the podcast? I have. Really? And, you know, like like I said, Matt has a voice for radio, and I had the pleasure of meeting Matt for the first time yesterday. And Matt, you also have a face for radio. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your questions. Soon. <laughs> of all the options, like to make fun of. I have, fancy having to go at my appearance, hello! <laughs> I like the, the hand signals work really well on an audio podcast. Oh yeah, I point, point to Tom. <laughs> good point, yeah, we are, it's a podcast, isn't it? That was it? a good point. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's gold, it's absolute gold. You. Anthony. Anthony. Cool. Yeah, thanks guys. Uh, so, uh, I'm Anthony Woods, uh, CTO uh, and, and obviously co-founder. You know, it's very exciting to be here. It's just amazing seeing so many people. It's like, we never dreamed, never dreamed we'd get here. And again, apologize for my voice. I'll, I'll try and get quiet now. <laughs> we actually have most of the questions for you, though, Anthony. So uh, just, just bear in there. It's another kind of 90 to, to you know, two hours recording. That's right. I'll just use a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Depending great. On again, you. great on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then. So should we dive into the first question? Yes, do it. And also, everyone start thinking of yours. Yeah, we're going to come to you very, very soon. 
So first question, um, and this is for all of you, how does it feel, guys? Overwhelming. I mean, seriously, it's, uh, I think intellectually everyone knows that we've grown a lot as a company, and uh, it just feels both long overdue and overwhelming and just generally awesome to be here and, uh, and meet everyone who's helped us get to this point. You know, on a personal level, I was in a hotel room in Singapore for, for two years, and during those two years, the, the company grew so much. You know, we, we raised hundreds of millions of dollars, we hired hundreds of people, we launched lots of products, we acquired companies, we got new investors, we got new board members, without meeting a single person. And that was really frustrating, you know, ordering a bottle of champagne to celebrate a Series D to my room and to drink it by myself at nine o'clock in the morning was <laughs> not so cool. So to answer your question, celebrate. this feels, pardon my French, fucking awesome. <laughs> And I mean, I mean, Torkel, wildest expectations. Did you ever think you'd have this many users, this many employees, this many, you know, GitHub stars? <laughs> no, no, not in my wildest dreams. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. I had no vision at all for like that Grafana was going to be something. Uh, it's just an open source project. Maybe we'll use it in my team that I was kind of uh, in at the time. And it, it, it's really incredible. And it, I'm really proud as well that, that we rebranded the company. That it's, <laughs> the, the, I mean, Grafana, the company is so much bigger than Grafana today. We have so many other products, but that the company is named after it is also means a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, and it just, yeah, it makes me immensely proud that, yeah, we, we have built all this together. And, but it has my name, or the name that I, <laughs> <laughs> that I came up with. And about the name, right? Why have we got the F? Why is it not a PH? Oh. <laughs> so that's how you, you spell. Uh, graph in Swedish. <laughs> okay. Is that <laughs> probably should have known we, that. we had ten minutes later for that answer. Yeah. <laughs> Is that just how Swedish works? It's just some of the letters are different. Yeah. That, that would be really easy and convenient if that were true. <laughs> no, it's, it's so, so much do, you, do you spell phone F O N E? No. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh okay. Oh, <laughs> Anthony, yeah. Perth. Yeah, I mean so this is this is just wild. So um, like, you know, when I obviously, you know, talked to Raj about doing a startup, there's no way we thought we'd ever get to this stage, right? This just is unbelievable. And it's, it's been such a great journey. But you know, as, as Raj said, it's been tough over the last few years. I mean, like, you know, I just remember like Zoom calls where we'd be signing term sheets and we'd be like, yay, now I'm back <laughs> to work. Thanks. And you, you've been trapped in Western Australia. I have, yeah. I, it, Most of your life, actually, right? <laughs> Most of it. No, no, I, I, I mean, you know, it's you know, Australia. It's a penal colony, right? Like, you know, I'm just in prison there. Um, but, you know, it's been frustrating not being able to travel. I'm so excited to be here now. This is my first trip in two and a half years. And, um, and I think now I have trips planned for every month now for the rest of the year, which is good. And I, well, I, I think it's good now. We'll see how long that lasts. But, uh, but you know, it's so great to be here seeing everybody in person. I mean, it's, it's, it really is just mind-blowing. I was just overwhelmed last night seeing you know, people out there having drinks and just like the fact that it filled the room. And just, it, yeah. it was just confusing. I didn't understand how just our company could fill such a space. But serious question, are the pubs still shut on Sundays? Because when I came and visited you, it was impossible to get a beer on a Sunday. Uh, no, no, they're open, but they close at 10 p.m. every day of the week, which is what? really irritating, especially well, when you've you been stuck there for two years. I know, I know. <laughs> Have you been drinking a lot at home? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that out, it's fine. It is, it is ask me anything. <laughs> Although I didn't expect Tom to ask him about pub opening times. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've been on the podcast before, right? <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we have anyone that wants to, uh, to raise a hand and we'll get a runner over there? Yep, we've got one over in the back. All right. Hey. Um, yeah, so we're, we're talking about all these like acquisitions and results and stuff, and I, I'd love to hear if you've ever had a massive disagreement and fight and like not been able to talk to each other maybe and said some words to each other during this. I think we've, we've definitely had disagreements. Um, we've definitely gotten annoyed at each other. I think Anthony's gotten definitely annoyed at me. Anthony's wife is getting very annoyed at me. Um, but, but we just try to work things out, right? I mean, I think we have an, an unwritten rule that we'll try to talk stuff through. Yeah, I, think, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever had any major issues, right? And often, you know, just talking things through, you know, we always get to, to a conclusion, right? Like, it's we just keep talking it through until we make it clear. You know, if, you know, I certainly feel like if you're having a disagreement with somebody and you can't convince them of your idea, then it probably means you, it's not a good idea. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I, I was talking about similar topic to, uh, with Matt the other day, like sort of the fact that we, we haven't had actually any major fights or, or major kind of issue, really. And I think it stemmed from what we talked about earlier with the manifesto. It's like we have this base of trust, and we know we have all, all have good intentions. And and uh, if any, if anything, it's just misunderstandings, and we just need to talk talk it through. Yeah. I think being remote, I think, yeah. really makes a big difference because we don't get this situation where it's just you know you're in somebody's face and you, you can't avoid it. We can always take time, you know, to be thoughtful about what it is we want to say, what we want to present. And then go and talk to the person, and, and it makes it much easier where you don't get in this situation where you just someone's coming at you, uh, you know, and, and in the moment, you, you know, the tension fight. So it, it, I think being a remote company has really been an advantage for us. That's really interesting because you can see that in the company. Today is actually my one-year Grafana anniversary. Congratulations! Actually, today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And you really get that sense, that's that, that foundation that you have, that relationship that you have there. That is what I noticed that was kind of spread throughout the company when I joined. And it is that attitude of like being authentic, trusting each other, all these things we talk about. But you see it in reality. I think your remote first point also really resonates with me. I mean, I've, I've rage quit most companies I've worked for. And uh, I really do feel that's the like, you have a disagreement, you go and sit back at your desk and you're kind of fuming. but. The remote first way, you know, you go out for a walk, you go and watch some YouTube, you go and do some cooking or whatever it is and calm down and realize like, okay, the other guy, the other person means well, right? They, they want the same thing you do. You just, you know, you've got to get there. What's the day after a rage quit feel like? It's good. Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> it's usually in a pub until 10 p.m. <laughs> go home, everyone. Okay, have we got any other questions? Let's see your hands. We'll go over this side of the room now. Okay. Uh, say your name first, please, if you don't mind. Uh, hey, I'm Jen Villa. Uh, so all three of you are from different countries and different cultures. I'm curious if you've learned anything fun or interesting about uh, each other's cultures and your time working together. Oh. <laughs> Phone starts with an F. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think Americans are generally more optimistic than Europeans. <laughs> I think this question was I, I, I more think, focused. I think Europeans are more honest than Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Take more time off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I think the Europeans know how to have better work-life balance, which was definitely uh, you know, uh, a point of discussion several years ago when we decided to align on 30 days global vacation across the whole company. 
which made Sweden go, oh, whatever, and made the U.S. go, wow, that's pretty cool. So, you know. Do you, do you remember that, like, the first, right at the beginning, Torkel was like, you know, the first summer, he's like, oh, and, we, and I'm going to be on vacation in July. And I was like, oh, when? And he's like, July. <laughs> A little bit of June and the first bit of August. <laughs> Good question. Thanks, Jan. Okay, what about over this side? Anyone? And if you, asked, if you asked one on GitHub as well, we want you to ask it in person too, please. That'd be great. Uh. Hey, uh, so my name's James Muswhite, uh, SE in the West. Uh, that was a great question from Jen. I don't know if I can follow that up. But I was just curious just what you guys think uh, the most impactful technology of the 2010s was. I mean, other than Grafana? <laughs> I don't know. The mobile smartphone? Probably the, probably the iPhone, right? Yeah. Must be. I mean, Kubernetes? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, I would say Kubernetes, right? It really has, I mean, like, changed how products are built, how software is deployed, rendered. Yeah. Well, you don't agree. Yeah. I don't know. No, Kubernetes is cool, for sure. I, but, uh, <laughs> you know, get out on a t-shirt. You know, tech is like fashion, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I think I'd, I'd go with the smartphone, honestly. I, I just think yeah. that when you look at the global impact of a technology, I mean, same question I asked my, my dad a few years ago. I said, Dad, in your life, like, what piece of technology are you most amazed at? And it wasn't even a question for him. Yeah. You know? So, but, but for us, maybe Kubernetes. And I know, Tom, you really like Kubernetes, so, yeah. I mean, love-hate. But for, I think a technology shift that, that impacted what we do is that it's basically as, yes, the rise of like cloud services and more mm. more complex like I, sort of software and and that we want to change every time so multiple times a day and that's kind of what what brought me into this space was like yeah, the shift to to microservices and to being wanting to deploy every day and know and wanting to know what what, what the hell was going on in production. I mean that's a really interesting question actually. You wrote Grafana when you were the Swedish eBay. Yeah. And why, you know, why did you need Grafana? Well, uh, we had a pretty complex production environment, sort of microservice-esque, but we had really poor insight into kind of what was going on, uh, what, the, what the behavior was like, what the queue, what the message rates were on the queues, and what the sort of, uh, and what the users were doing as well. So when someone from the ops team showed me Graphite and that you could get these kind of almost real-time graphs, and you just had to add one line in your code to, to get those graphs. And I was just sold. <laughs> I'm, uh, I think I'm showing my, my ignorance here. What did you use to visualize Graphite before Grafana came along? What, uh, what the default Graphite. Uh, is, there, is it got, it's built in, is it? It's yeah, they, they, they have a, uh, really you get PNG images in a, oh, nice. in a, in a black dashboard. Yeah. The, dash, the graphs were really great and powerful, but you couldn't interact with them, you couldn't zoom in on them, and they were really hard to build these dashboard as well through the very clunky UI. So I struggled getting other people on, on the team to, I, mean, I started instrumenting all our services so we could build these dashboards and it was super valuable and people were sort of also saw the value but they couldn't bother learning how to build the dashboards or, or the query language. But it was so empowering uh, when we started doing this to just yeah, have an outage and say exactly kind of how many bids that we lost, we could compare it to the kind of previous Wednesday or so when I, when I got the whole site down on a Christmas break, <laughs> I could sort of tell the, tell the boss, yeah, we... This is how much we lost. <laughs> this is how much we lost, yeah. <laughs> so then, I, but it was, it was just also then like seeing how, um, when we started using Grafana, and every, every team started using it. Like we were five developer teams, and it just quickly took over, and every team started using it. And during our weekly kind of Friday 
uh, all hands, every team started using Grafana as a way to show the impact of what they were they've been working on. I mean, you must have known you were onto something if it spread so quickly. Yeah, no, it, it was very quick. I mean, I think three months after or something like that, I released the open source project. I sort of handed my resignation. Wow. Wow. Did you rage quit? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we had, let's get another question. I think we had a question down here at the front. Um, if someone with a mic could, could run. Run down here at the front. <laughs> but that also talk of what you just said, the, um, this, it was a UX thing, really, because Graphite had graphs, yeah, yeah. it just didn't have a good user experience. So that shows you really the power and importance of user experience and of dog fooding and solving your own problems. I think there's great lessons there, and again, you see that throughout the company still. Yeah. Now, as from enablement here, um, when I've joined the company, sometimes I've been brought in on projects and I'm like, how the heck do I even do this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like true to what I remember Dave Kay saying where we're building and flying at the same time. So as all of you were building and flying um, Grafana and creating, like how did you guys navigate ambiguity? Ooh, With great difficulty and <laughs> unsuccessfully. And, uh, like personally speaking, I, I actually enjoy being in a state of ambiguity without a lot of process and you know sort of building things as we go, right? And so I, that that's always been something that I've I've enjoyed in previous startups. But the challenge is you know combining that with you know scaling things and removing the ambiguity when you need to. But I think I think we've just iterated. We've we've like you know we've zigged and zagged as as we've got. We've been willing willing to do things that have failed and just been like oh well you know that taught us something. And so we haven't been, been afraid of the ambiguity. We've kind of embraced it, you know? I don't know. I mean, part of the company culture, right? The uh, perfect is the enemy of good, right? You know, we, we really do prioritize shipping something before shipping the perfect thing. Like, so that, that really helps in these situations. And I really love the hackathon. We loved, our last pod, podcast episode was with Ash and uh, Ryan on the hackathon. And like, just showing what people can achieve in a week is so inspiring. Like, and really helps kind of solidify a lot of the ideas. I'm a big believer. So, like, if when there's ambiguity, if you've got you know two choices and you're not sure which one is better, if it's not clear, then it doesn't matter. Just pick one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Like, you know, speed speed can be a weapon in terms of in terms of decision making, right? And I think I think as we as we scale, it's obviously you know decisions are you know slower and slower and slower, slower for good reason and you know what anthony just said in terms of you know pick one you know maybe try quick experiments on both you know like do something progress is the you know and uh, perfection's enemy of progress like you said yeah thank you good question um, another question from the audience someone over here maybe oh. lovely yeah go for it um, hey y'all um, what keeps you motivated in your day to day tasks i'm looking for some inspiration Inspirational answer. No <laughs> so yeah, uh, for me it's kind of simple. I, I see so much kind of issues with Grafana. I see, I see kind of so many warts of like usability and 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 uh, things that have been there for for ages, but are not intuitive or or uh, areas where I think Grafana can be better still. And like we constantly kind of trying to push that barrier of ease of use for existing users or and, and new users. Uh, and also, like how, how that there are areas where Grafana can innovate, where we have still kind of uh, unsolved, we're, we're, especially on the dashboarding side, where it's been been the way it is for so many years. I think there, there's still a lot to to explore and improve and, and rethink. I mean, Anthony's and I, my, my last company, you know, we were 
you know, selling, selling hosting and data center services and cloud services. And we watched how, you know, open source completely commoditized the whole kind of infrastructure space, right? Like, and we saw that, we were a part of that, but we kind of got swept away in that, right? And the thing that, one of the things that motivates me about Grafana Labs is we think that that same kind of commoditization within observability is happening, right? Like open source is gonna win in observability. But instead of getting swept up in that, like we have the opportunity to be on the, on the tip of the spear on that, right? On the crest of the wave on that, like literally like making that happen. We have the, we have the opportunity to, to literally be the dominant company that changes the entire industry as it moves in the same way as the infrastructure industry, as open source and open standards take over. And that's really exciting for one. And for me, the other thing is just seeing people scale, like regardless of what happens in the future, hope it's positive, whether it's you know, a long-term dominant company in the future, an IPO, an acquisition, who knows? I really hope that the relationships that we all build, you know, for the people here and the people that are gonna join us, are gonna continue onto our next thing and you know, wherever we go, right? And that's, been, that's something that I've, that's been personally like a, a, a big part of who I am. I mean, that's why this guy's here, that's why you know, so many of the, the Xboxel crew are investors in this company and that's what really motivates me. Regardless of what we do together, I, I hope that everyone here kind of has that because that's so, so powerful, right? And of course, money, but that's the third. Right, honestly, the first two are, are really what gets me out of bed every day. Yeah, I think the, the thing that motivates me and gets me really excited is I you know, look around and you know, we've done a lot of great things, but I also see so many areas of opportunity for us to do better. And it's always great being, you know, kind of being reflective and like, look, I can't believe we've got here, you know, given that we haven't done X or Y. And it's like, well, that's good. Now, if we do that, look how much better we could be. And there's, there's a lot of areas that, that we can continue to work on and improve. And, and I like knowing that, right? Because if we got into a situation where, you know, like we tried everything and, and it wasn't working, then that's a problem. But we've got so much opportunity to keep growing, to keep doing new things. And, you know, we don't, there's no end, right? Like there's no, we don't know where this will end. There's so much we can just keep on doing. But they were really inspirational. Was that, was that inspirational? By the way, you can't put acceptance criteria on questions. <laughs> oh, make it inspirational, please. Can I, can I ask a question? Can you do it in a, a British accent, please? <laughs> What's going on? Okay, uh, let's have another question then. Marco, down at the front. Hi, I'm Marco. Hello, Marco. What's the next big thing uh, you foresee in the observability space? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you've got platforms that are kind of expanding, right? <laughs> that's passable, actually. Was that British? Is that British? That's, that's kind of, you know, I didn't notice it, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm going to stop the British accent. <laughs> I will too. Okay, thanks. <laughs> the interesting thing to me that's, uh, there's so many ways to answer this question, but one interesting thing to me is sort of how observability is the, the definition of it is widening in some ways, and you see this happening across the industry, right? It's not just us, but you know, everything we're doing, like whatever you want to call it, shift left, shift right, shift up, shift down, right? Earlier in the software development life cycle, later in the software development life cycle, sort of like observability isn't necessarily its own thing, it's just part of a you know, continuum of how we build and run software. And I think that some of the moves that uh, you know, we've made, some of our you know, upcoming strategies around stuff that, uh, you know, Tom, Robin, others are talking about and, and defining things like uh, Grafana Ops, you know, things like our, our new APM strategy. It, it's just an exciting time to be in observability, so, yeah. 
One, one trend that I could see coming is that increasing standardization uh, of like development platforms, application platforms, where we can have like, the, the observability experience are gonna be so much more sort of pre-made out of the box because you're using uh, some standardized application development frameworks or where all the metrics are already in place and, and the experience in Grafana is, is gonna be already kind of made for you. I can see that kind of uh, evolution to more more manually built dashboards if you use those kind of uh, more standardized uh, development platforms. Very cool. We've uh, another question at the back from, uh, from D, I think. Oh no, sorry, we're going to the middle first. Who's got mic? Middle, there we go. Thank you. Hi, Farhan on the product marketing team. I have a question related to the manifesto earlier. One of the key pieces in there that stood out to me was we want to be really successful, but with our souls intact. And I'd love to unpack that more. Why is that important? You know, tell us more about like how we plan to actually get there. Like, obviously it's intuitive that we want to do it, but like, why is that important to you? It sounds like there's a story there. Yeah, no, there, there is definitely a story there. Um, I've been at companies and I've seen companies that, you know, they make money, but the people who went through that experience, they went through an experience where they made some money together, but it was a really frustrating experience. They screwed over their customers, they screwed over each other, they ended up hating each other, they ended up, you know, like, I mean, classic story, right? It's, uh, you know, we don't have this today at Grafana Labs, and when I say souls in tech, that, that's what I mean, that we won't ever have this. But it's, look at most companies in tech. The sales team hates the engineering team, right? Sales team's gonna say, like, why can't the engineering team make products we can sell? The engineering team hates the sales team. The engineering team will say, Man, this those, is not, not those, Grafana Labs, right? This is no, not no, Grafana okay, Labs, right? Just <laughs> this, is, this is my... All right, sales people stand up. <laughs> stand up. This is other companies, right? Sales team will say, like, the engineering team will be like, you know, the sales, sales team, you know, what, what did they promise the customer? You know, what did they lie about? That's, that's kind of no, normal-ish, and we don't have that. And so when I say souls intact, I really want to make sure that we're in this together. We are building relationships that are gonna last beyond this company on our next things. Whatever our, our personal journeys are, like that's really important, that's part of soul intact. We are doing really good things for our customers, solving real problems, providing real value, not screwing them over, not saying like, well, the contract said this, you know, like let's do the right thing for them long term, that's soul intact. And of course we wanna make money too, but I have no interest in pushing another 10% of growth if it means losing our souls. So that's, that's the kind of company we are. What, what if it was like 15%? <laughs> um, should we go uh, Richie at the front, I think? Yes, um, so other than the obvious numbers and such, what is the biggest or the most unexpected change between what you thought would the company be now? And it actually is. Everything. Like, so, and we were, we were wrong on so many things. Like, you know, the, the whole, the question that was asked earlier about um, ambiguity, like every single assumption that we had about the company has basically been incorrect and we've had to pivot, right? Like, we thought we'd be a cloud-only company when we started. That was our original idea, cloud-only. Yeah. That didn't happen. We thought we would go after a whole bunch of small customers before we even started going after larger customers. That didn't happen. Um, we, I mean, wow, like, th th there's so many fundamental things. We thought we would be Apache forever. That didn't happen, you know? So a whole bunch of assumptions about the company turned out to be completely incorrect. And um, I think that, you know, like I said, we've zigged and zagged, we've evolved, um, but we've never, we've never held firm to 
preconceived. I mean, we used to we used have offices. Yeah, yeah, we used to have offices. We used yeah. to be a remote friendly company rather, you know, rather than a remote first company. Even though we started as a remote first company, right? And do you, uh, do you remember any hesitation on like when you knew it was wrong, but you still wanted to push, right? And you're like, and then that finally that moment when you go, oh no, I'm fighting against the stream going the wrong direction. Like, has anything come to mind where like you're like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Oh no, maybe that's a good idea. I think for us, like you know. The, the graphite versus Prometheus. I think that was like we really kind of invested in graphite. We thought, hey, this is this is great. Um, you know, and I think one of the reasons we did is is because of the the user the usability or user experience. Right, it was so much easier to build dashboards in Grafana with graphite because it was just point and click. You know, Prometheus is oh yeah, I need to learn PromQL. Um, but then you know, but we we could see what was happening. Right, um, we could see how popular Prometheus was growing. We knew we had to make a change. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And it would have been, I think, it would have been relatively easy for us to say, like, oh, we'll we'll see how that develops, or we'll, you know, because the graphite, you know, the graphite hosted metrics product was doing reasonably well, and the the work that Dieter, who was up here earlier on on metric tech, was was fantastic. Like, you know, that was a a really good TSDB platform. And yeah, that's a good point. We we kind of decided to go out on a ledge there, right? So yeah, mm. worked out. So. Yeah, thank you. So uh, who's got the mic? Hello. I have a mic back here. Hello. Hi, my name is Sheldon. Um, I have a quick question. It kind of feeds off of what Raj was just talking about. Um, earlier today, we were kind of laughing at how you were super excited for having 10 employees, and now here today <laughs> we have 800, give or take. Um, so what is your collective dream of Grafana Fest 2023, people-wise, 2032? How do you see the company go? So was your question a very slick and savvy way of getting me to confirm that there will be a Grafana Fest? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have, to, we'll have to discuss that with uh, Inferno, our CFO, who's causing us to... <laughs> Why are you excited about Grafana Fest in Bahamas, 2023? <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think we're, we're, like, our plan, you know, our model for the next few years is, is kind of coagulating and set, we're gonna be, you know, 1,100 people by the end of this year, hopefully-ish, you know, we're gonna be encroaching on, you know, close to 2,000 people by the end of, uh, you know, the following year. But I don't think that the metric for success is kind of the size of the team, right? I think that, I mean, generally speaking, we wanna do really good things with as few people as possible, right? The goal isn't to grow a headcount, that's, that's not a measure of success. I wanna make sure that we have really good people and you know, few people who are really productive, right? And so, Grafana Fest 23, 24, TBD, but, um, you know, people, I, I'd say that the headcount levels isn't something that kind of, in of itself, excites me. Oh, actually, I'll ask a question. So, this is, this is like a big payoff for being in a hotel room alone in Singapore for two years, right? But what do you think should happen between now and Grafana Fest 2024 for teams individually, right? Because it, it can't always just be this all get together in one room. It should be, but like, what should happen in between to maintain that sense of connection among being remote first? Yeah, I think that's really important, obviously, and what, what we did pre-pandemic, I think we were on the right track. I mean, 
What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's so important uh, for teams to come together. I mean, like, we've seen it time and again once you get a team, you know, that have been working well together, but as soon as they meet up in person, get to know each other on a personal level, realize it's a real person, um, you know, and you have a relationship, it makes it so much easier, you know, to communicate and, and get things done during your day to day. It's something we really want to continue, right? It's really important. We, we you know, we, we've always been a remote first company, you know, that has advantages. We don't have, you know, to pay for office space, you know, to, but we've always understood that that means that, you know, we need to invest. In, in travel and, and getting people to meet up. By the way, up here, for some reason, it smells like new floppy disks, doesn't it? New floppy what? New floppy disks. You know, disks. It, you know the floppy disks? <laughs> doesn't it, Topo? Can you smell it? What? There's a smell coming from back there. No, no. Are you okay? Yeah, it's, no, okay. Uh, it's nostalgic. I'm just saying. Stroke? <laughs> Can someone just quickly Google if that's a sign of something? <laughs> Do you also have a sudden metallic taste in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the like. disk. <laughs> So uh, where, where are we going for the next question? Over there. Yeah, Ward. Um, hi. So I heard Bahamas, so that's nice. <laughs> looking forward to it. That's what I, that was my takeaway. Now, uh, what's the last Grafana dashboard that you built uh, for everybody? Ooh, that's a good one. Wow. I, can, I mean, I've built a bunch of, for demoing the new Prometheus and Loki query builders. I think that's what. Oh, teaser. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's a spoiler. No. <laughs> we'll put this out after Grafana 9. Oh, that's good. Tell us a bit about the new Grafana uh, Prometheus and Loki query builders. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, they have a kind of special place in my heart because, as we mentioned before, like around like ease of use, Grafana's birth was around like frustration around the current. Uh, experience building dashboards and writing queries. So the first ever version of Grafana had a, a point and click kind of query builder for Graphite that not only kind of made it possible to write it without knowing the syntax, but also helped you understand the query because it kind of unwrapped a nested expression so you could see what, what each transformation did in which order they were uh, being uh, applied in. So that was part of the first version of Grafana for Graphite where I kind of simplified the query language through a UI. And um, I always wanted to do some, try to do something similar with Prometheus, but never like had had opportunity and time. Uh, and l last year, uh, I, I did through the hackathon, and then I've been working through with with Andre and and Ivana and and, and the metrics uh, uh, and, and and Logs team to get this kind of done for real yeah. and turn turn a hackathon into something real. And I'm really excited just kind of for the potential there to kind of make it uh, lower the barrier of entry to use PromQL and use LogQL uh, log for Loki to sort of make it easier to just get started using these uh, amazing tools and projects and make it, make it more accessible for everyone. I'm really excited for the yeah. new query builders. Me too, yeah. Um, Torkel, when you make dashboards, do you use the UI or are you just pure JSON? <laughs> <laughs> no, I use the UI. Oh, you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah you got, you do, you, dog fooding is very important, even yeah. though you probably could just knock out the adjacent thing. What was the last dashboard well, you built, Matt? Uh, me? Yes. Um, I built one that actually instrumented some of our Grafana incident bits. Mm. Playing around with that, yeah. It's very, it's, it's very good. You should use it. Should I? But, I mean, Grafana. Oh, okay. You should use it. I really, you know, I, I, just, I just write HTTP requests to Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think my last one was cloud costs, keeping track of like how much you're spending on Google. Uh, not quite as exciting. That's quite exciting. Is it? I don't know. No. I mean, it's quite important. It's important. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do things that are important but not exciting. Yeah. <laughs>
Anthony, would you like to follow up so, with anything? <laughs> so I did a quick hack job last week, um, which was, I think it was just a single panel pulling in some GitHub data to, um, so we could identify when there was support escalations that weren't assigned to anybody. Mm. I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? Because that's not a traditional IT observability thing to do with Grafana. Yeah, yeah I thought it was really good because, like, what uh, I was actually talking to, I think the team talking to Lena, and we're like, hey, like, there's been some support issues that have gone unnoticed and weren't assigned to anyone because they weren't, you know, they, they were missing a label or something. And I'm like, oh, we can, we can alert on that yeah. like, really easily. Um, and so I just quickly threw it together. And for the next 15 minutes, I want you to talk exclusively about this, and just you on your own. <laughs> See how much of this voice we can. Uh, <laughs> thumbs down emoji. <laughs> No, but, but Tom, you mentioned the, the non-IT use case, right? And uh, people building dashboards. What's been really cool to see, I've, I've, I've been thinking in the last uh, few quarters, is to see people in the company creating all these Grafana dashboards, like people in the finance team and the go-to-market teams, right? And I felt like I was being a little bit of a jerk, honestly, when I kind of asked or you know, strongly requested that people use Grafana instead of Tableau or Power BI or, or something like that. And I'm actually really impressed, and I think that you know, maybe it's frustrating for these teams. I don't know. We should come talk about it later. But it's really cool to see even the non-observability use cases within the company, like from finance, from go-to-market, using Grafana, right? And and that's really cool. And I know there's been a lot of work on the BigQuery um, data source and things like that. But dog fooding is such an important part of our our culture, and it's really cool to see other teams, other than our R&D teams, like being part of that dog fooding kind of DNA. So. Oh, you know, it's, most, it's only valuable though if you get the like if the feedback loop is in place, right? That's something I think we could we could definitely do a, yeah. do a better. Because then because then you got to make sure that if it's not working, you know why it's not working. Because yeah. otherwise, it just feels like imposed Grafana ness. Maybe it is imposed Grafana ness. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important use case that we haven't covered yet though is home automation. I mean, that's clearly the next pivot for, for Grafana, right? So who here like monitors their home power usage with? Wow. Okay. Quite a few. I was actually hoping for more than that. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll come talk to me later. So who's got the microphone? We've got one down here. Nope, one over here. Oh, hello. So um, Samuel from the K6 team over here. Uh, so Grafana is growing rapidly, as you said. It's going to be over a thousand people. And when you grow this quickly, and you also stretch the teams, right? Because of the pure acceleration of, of new people coming in. So what are your views on doing this quick growth, but also maintaining the qualities and the culture of Grafana at the same time within the teams and within the, the company. Yeah, so I think like that's a really important topic and I think that's been our biggest concern, you know, as a company, biggest challenge, you know, and, and risk that we see uh, is that scaling and being able to maintain our culture as we do. Um, and so it's something that we really put a lot of effort into. Um, you know, we really want to have, you know, great hiring practices. You know, the people ops team have been great around recruiting. You know, we've got good processes for how we bring people on. The onboarding is so important um, to make sure people kind of understand how we work. Because as we get bigger, it's getting more and more challenging uh, to do that. And it's, it's, it's great to see that we've kind of built these processes in place because we really want to make sure, you know, that we do maintain this really great culture that we've built. Yeah, the, the stretching, your stretching point is, is really interesting. Um, you know, and I have, I guess, a, a two-part answer to that. One is, look, we're a startup, we're a high-growth company, we're in a very competitive industry, and you know, sometimes teams are going to stretch, have to stretch. Uh, people are going to have to stretch. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to have a really intense week. Sometimes you're going to be up late trying to fix something, and you're going to be stressed out. And you know what? That is fine. What is not fine is if that becomes the norm. 
And so that's the sort of, you know, work-life balance that we're, you know, the stretching point that, that you mentioned. And, you know, it's not like, we never, you know, we're, we're so, you know, I don't know, European? No. <laughs> we're, 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 you know, we're so, uh, you know. Human? Human, yeah. It, it, it's, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to get away from the fact that this is a challenge. This is a, a startup. This is a high-performance company, and we expect everyone to bring their A-game and be able to really step up if necessary. But the, the commitment that, you know, we'll make and the people ops team and, you know, hopefully all our leaders will make is if that becomes the normal and you're stretched for, you know, weeks on end or months on end, like, that's really you know, that's really bad. We're a long-term greedy company, and that is not a long-term way to operate. It's just gonna burn people out, and you know, so, yeah. So stretching is okay, but consistent stretching over time or a culture where you're just, you know, overworked, that's what we really wanna avoid. Yeah, I, I deserve a round of applause. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question from, uh, from the GitHub, for the, for the listeners, we, we took questions on GitHub as well. Uh, question for you, Torkel, what are some other tech companies and, and open source projects that you admire? Oh, um, I mean, uh, at the start it was obviously Kibana, which is kind of uh, where Grafana started, uh, the, the, the UI for, for Elasticsearch. When, I, when we started using that uh, internally at, at, at the company where I, I worked with, when I created Grafana, it, I saw just amazing, an amazing open source project that had a simple UI uh, to explore logs in, in Elasticsearch. And, Contrary to almost all other kind of alternative dashboards for Graphite at the time, Kibana had a UI for building yeah. the dashboard. Because back, back, back then, the alternative UIs had only had JSON, and you edited the, the dashboard through a JSON editor. <laughs> so that was the norm kind of for some alternate dashboarding tools. Yeah. But Kibana, yeah, uh, had a great UI to do it. Uh, uh, but I also like, yeah, took that and tried to push it even further in terms of like the UI uh, accessibility. But um, more, uh, more. I mean, I think on the company side, I, I was always kind of impressed with um, Automatic, the, so that did WordPress and their kind of remote-first culture. And read, read the book uh, A Year Without Pants. Yeah, <laughs> highly recommend. Uh, on, on like remote-first work, uh, which was really good. Uh, I mean, I, I, HashiCorp is also. I mean, in terms of inspiring other kind of open-source company. Yeah, yeah. What about um, companies, you know, you mentioned remote work, what about companies like GitLab? Like, they put everything out there, right? Yeah. And all no, their policies and internal documentation. GitLab is, 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 is a, a, another great option, yeah. Or, Funnily enough, they were on the, on the podcast, previous episode. That's right. Yeah. yeah. How about yourself, Raj and Anthony? Are you hoping they'll say Loki? I'm, I'm kind of waiting for someone to say yeah, Loki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> admits it. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Loki. Loki is pretty cool, I have to say, and uh, it's it's definitely one of the top open source projects. No. <laughs> in terms of companies, this is a kind of a strange answer in in terms of the the modern landscape of companies. But I I actually really still admire Red Hat as a company in terms of the the early early Red Hat because they truly you know pioneered a, a new way forward. They were with the world's you know first billion dollar open source company, the conventional wisdom was that there would never be another Red Hat. That was it, right? And uh, I kind of, before they became IBMers and lost their souls, um, <laughs> like from everything I hear, um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty cool place that, uh, particularly in the early days, so. And I know that's not really an open source project, but I feel like they were really good at, you know, bringing stuff together yeah. and I mean, they making still, a community. You know, 
they still contribute to many open source projects yeah. and take a lot of the unglamorous roles, right? And maintain yeah. and keep the open source community working. It's still, I think, it's still a company to be to admire. Yeah, yeah. Red, Red Hat's definitely that's the the key one for me because like you know, a big focus on open source and the fact that it, it is a viable business model, right? And certainly when we started, it wasn't as popular, right? It's certainly a lot more popular now, where you know that the the open core model and starting with open source is is how you get things done. You know, the it, it's very difficult. To, to get into the market with a closed source product, right? Because people can just go and use an open source option, right? And having that open source where people can, one, it gives them you know, access to it where you know, they can start using it, they don't need to pay for it. But also, you know, when, when something we really leverage a lot is, is getting that community feedback, right? So um, you know, finding out where things are going, um, right? And letting the community kind of drive uh, you know, the product development. Well, should we take one last, one last question from the, uh, from the audience over on the right here, I think? Uh, uh, I mean, yes. uh, thanks for the extra pressure of like the last question. Yeah, make it a good <laughs> um, one. Make it a yeah, British. I, I like how Matt is looking. I'm, Matt is, by the way, my manager. He's hosting the podcast, and he's looking at me like, don't embarrass me in front of the class. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't until you admitted that I was your manager. <laughs> um, my question was going to be, knowing what you know now, if you look back, what's like the one thing you would do differently? That's a great I wouldn't do anything Ooh, differently. That's good. It's a good closer. That is a really good question. I don't know. You want to think about that? Well, I think. Uh, about that. Yeah. Well, I think I have a few for. I mean, uh, when we first made made that alerting feature in their phone, I think I would have made it more kind of standalone from dashboard. Yeah. Uh, and to have used React, you know, immediately. And not yeah, I would have. migration. No, I mean, if I knew like that, React was going to be as big as it yeah. was. Uh, like React was. I think like alpha when I when, when I first created Grafana, uh, or it came out this uh, like maybe the same year. But if I knew, I would probably switch from Angular to React way yeah, earlier sure. if 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 I knew that kind of React was going to take off, uh, because that that we invested so much in in, in like a framework that was a, a front end framework that was going to die. I, I might I'll probably think right after I say this of something much more. Like obvious that we should have done differently, but but one thing that you reminded me of, Tom, is uh, you know we started as a remote first company, and we kind of degraded from like 2018, 2019, and we started opening these offices all around the world, right? And we had an office in New York. I think we had an office in Paris. We had and still have an office in Stockholm, and basically we were creating these mini hubs, right? And in probably six or seven cities around the world, we were starting to have like you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty grafanistas show up consistently. And what was happening is even though we said we were a remote first company, that people who were really remote and were working in their homes, particularly in cities where we had these hubs, started feeling like yeah. second class citizens, right? They were like, they weren't there for the water cooler conversation that was happening every day in the small office and wherever, right? They, you know, so especially when they're on the same team, if five people on that team were coming into an office three days a week because they wanted to, and the other people didn't want to, that was a really interesting dynamic. So that, in retrospect, is something that I wish we'd been firmer on, that we are not a remote-friendly company. We are a remote, a remote first company. And actually, you know, Tom and... Remote only. Yeah, remote only company, really, is what we've ultimately, you know, landed on. And I think there was some zigzagging there that we should have been clearer on that in the beginning and really, like, stayed true to that. And um, that, that's one thing that I wish we'd, we'd done differently. I, I strongly believe I wouldn't do anything differently, right? Like I'm so amazed with what we, where we are today. I wouldn't want to risk not being able to do that, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because you never know the butterfly effect of what could happen. It could all have 
lizard's legs. <laughs> probably not. Probably not that. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad the last words of this podcast are lizard's legs. Well, you wrote it that way. <laughs> yeah, it was always the plan. Lizard's legs. Lizard's legs. There we go. Actually, I'm shocked that everyone, how many legs there are. People have got legs. I never realized how many people had legs. <laughs> yeah. I, when you said a year without pants, when that book came out, everyone's just like, wow, that's impressive. Now we're like, two years without pants. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect in the UK that would have a different title. Yes. yes. Yeah. A year without trousers? Yeah, without right. trousers. It sounds so quaint. A year without trousers. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for all your great questions. Thank you to our panel, Torkel, Raj, Anthony, it's a pleasure. And of course, Tobak yeah. and the Wilk. Nah. <laughs> thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on Grafana's Big Tent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>